Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 408, and today we'll be talking about the first day from the Owl House. I'm GC13. And I'm Sorin. Um, I don't think they could have resisted having a little magical school in <laughs> in the magic show. Like, they're yeah. very much aware that it's a cliche that's been done, and they just don't care. Now, uh, I, I don't think they could resist having a Harry Potter reference with the choosy hat, which... The choosy hat, yes! When it's... we get to the Grudge Me episode, what, Wing It Like Witches? We'll have another, um... Cameo. You see, I, th- I, I, I don't want to say that that one distracts from the episode, because even the episode forgets it happened, but the choosy hat was just funny. And, like, it fits with how messed up the world of the Owl House is. Oh, extremely funny. Extremely funny. Like, rewatching this, the choosy hat made me, like, laugh out loud. It was, it's a very good joke. Now, do you think that Luz would be willing to risk the choosy hat if Bump were willing to let her? Um, probably. Because that's what I thought. I, I, I thought maybe she should ask, well, I am willing to have my head cut off to study magic, so. Which is really, really funny because this girl, I swear to God, all like she becomes much more competent throughout the show like her glyphs become really complicated she's really good at using them at the right times and in the right ways but none of this knowledge or practice seems to come from anything that she's learning in school right it's all self-taught she's just doing this at home so my question is like obviously this is the first episode of her in school but what is she learning from being here she learned about the memory stuff in a future episode. They'll cover that. I think she is learning a lot of magical theory because Lilith was able to start using glyphs quite well very quickly. And, you know, she didn't have the time to do trial and error with the glyphs. All she really had was a very deep understanding of magical theory. So I guess that's what Luz was developing and benefiting from. Yeah, I mean. There are moments in the show where, like, I really do appreciate later on where Ida is shown to be, like, she was a very powerful witch because she was knowledgeable. And because she was a bad girl. Yes, but even when she loses her powers later in the show, spoilers, uh, don't listen to this while you're watching, don't, like, watch an episode of The Owl House and then listen to this podcast. Watch the whole Owl House and then watch the whole us talking about it because we're gonna spoil the hell out of everything. Yeah, we're pretty clear that we're using our foreknowledge to, you know, because there's a lot of foreshadowing happening. Yeah! and the, Concepts the, the, that come up again. And I was mentioning this before we started recording, but, like, this show, the foreshadowing is very subtle. I imagine because the really funny situation with Alex Hirsch in Gravity Falls, where people figured out, like, all of his little reveals and twists, like, way earlier than he was expecting. And so he made a fake conspiracy by posting a fake leak on 4chan, immediately deleting it, and then posting an angry, vague tweet about it later, and, like, everybody ate it up and bought it, and it was totally fake, that he made up, which is a level of 40 chess that is both hilarious and ingenious. I guess it's way better than just rewriting your final season or two so that all of the foreshadowing and ground you were laying is for nothing. <laughs> Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, I, I I don't know where you got that idea, Soren. I didn't <laughs> mention anything about HBO. <laughs> uh, 
Um, we're a cartoon podcast, not roasting the two guys who ruined an already kind of not so great book series. Um, I mean, it was fine. Don't DM me. Um, but yeah, it's, it, you can kind of like knowing the cartoon sort of fandom history behind these shows adds like another like flavor to watching this. Like, first of all, knowing that Alex Hurst is involved and being able to recognize his voice most of the time because he literally voices so many characters in the show, but kind of recognizing his sense of humor and recognizing and like getting the idea that they are anticipating fandom with this show, which is usually very cringe. Like, all you have to do is watch the last few seasons of My Little Pony to understand that, like, when creators make a show, when creators let fandom influence how they make a show, it makes just an objectively horrible product. And so, but here, they're kind of just, like, they're trying to make their thing, they're enjoying the show, but they ha they're, like, purposefully kind of holding back on the obviousness of the foreshadowing, because they know people are gonna be, like, hyper-reading into all of this. Because for me, because I have not been involved in the Owl House fandom, like, I don't follow the subreddit, like, I'll see some art on Tumblr, but for the most part, like, I'm not, like, theorizing with people on forums. And so, like, a lot of these twists and plot twists, or the, 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 all these, like, callbacks to previous stuff, like, I'm like, I don't remember that. Because I watched everything up until, um, like, halfway through the second season before when they had that hiatus. I watched that all in one go, and then several months of that hiatus, and then they just had these new episodes come out, and they're calling back all this stuff that was like a few months old, and I'm like, I have no freaking clue what they're talking about. And, and then I just recently binged the Owl House from beginning until the end of season two, and that experience was much better. Like, I was much more able to follow along with what the hell they were talking about, because they make some callbacks to some, like, very secondary things that, like, were one-off mentioned. Well, you're not kidding about how subtle they are. Like, there are some things that, like, I thought for sure that there was going to be a narrative relationship, like a narrative mirror between Ida having to accept the Owl Beast and Bellos having to accept whatever the heck's going on with him. Like, you know, that, that was ripe for a thematic similarity. Oh, Bellos did it to himself. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's a... Uh... He's a piece of work, it turns out. Yeah, and so terrifying. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, I, I literally, you can't binge the entire first two seasons and then just be like, yeah, let's talk about episode, season one, episode 13, when Luz first starts school. Like, no, I want to talk about what, what just happened in season two, but we have to stay on topic. Yeah. That just means that I have to actually show up every week. But we do get to talk about the greater basilisk today. Quite a, um shall we say, spooky force. I, I liked the, you know, she, she wants to see how much of a fight Amity can put up. Oh, that was, and that would have been very in character for a member of the Emperor's Coven too. Like, let's get some yeah, violence. Yeah, yeah, guess, uh, binge the show beginning to end and still had a hard time remembering what the heck they were talking about with the Basilisk, right? They mentioned Basilisk and I'm like, there was a Basilisk in the show? And I'm like, yeah, it was what, like the little monster of the week they had on the school episode. I was like, Jesus. And they do this a lot, which is hilarious. And also, like, I feel like I need to be taking notes. I mean, we do have a wiki. True. Yeah, but then the wiki tells me too much. You know, they'll have a little note section in the bottom, and it's like, here are all the theories. And I was like, well, I didn't want to hear all of that. Like, they had to lay it on really thick for me to be like, Abelos was a person? Was, was, was a human? And, um... 
or Bella was Philip or whatever, like that twist, like I did kind of anticipate, obviously because like we knew more information as the audience than Luz did. So I kind of saw it coming, but it, it, I obviously saw it coming much, much later than everybody else did. Like I bet there were theories for this in season one. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> you know, like Rose Quartz was pink diamond. Like that theory, swear to God, had I not been involved in the Steven Universe fandom at all, um, imagine that. Uh, I would <laughs> never have seen that coming. Like the episode would have come out and I would have been like, what? I wouldn't, I maybe like would have entertained the idea for a bit, but like they, you know, they had so much, um, red herrings in that show that I would not, I would have been surprised by it. So what did you think of Ida's secret hideaway in detention? The, the room full of doors? Yep. I thought that was really cool. Did they, do they use that in a future episode? I feel like they don't. They should have when the whole school was under illusions. I felt like that would have been a nice time to do a little callback to that room. Yeah, and Viney was even there. She knows where all the doors are. I think the doors only open from the inside, so unless they had access to that specific detention room, hmm. they wouldn't have been able to get there. There might be, because the detention door isn't available until you do something specific. There might be other specific ways she just might not know. Yeah. Oh, I was... Just like Gus, I was amazed at how good the detention teacher was at sleeping through anything. That is a skill. <laughs> yeah, tell me you've been in the army without telling me you've been in the army. Oh, God. Yeah, we have, what, veteran teachers? They don't mention a war in this show. I mean, the backstory is that there was a time of great strife before Bellus's a center, or at least there must have been a lot of violence and chaos, because he says there was, and it was only 50 years ago, so. Yeah, I think um, the timeline which I've been trying to do in my head is that Ida, so her curse is 30 years old. They mentioned that multiple times, and if she was like yes. a senior in high school, she would have been like 17, 18. That would put her in her late 50s. Uh, late 40s. Late 40s. Which is like a bit younger than I was expecting for her. Well, she has, she does have the curse. Yeah, it has been great. That's why she's hair. aged so much quicker than Lilith. I mean, Lily, I could still believe, would be in her late 50s. She's only like, what, two yeah. years older? One year older? Lilith looks pretty good. If you told me she was 40, I'd believe it. She does dye her hair very well, apparently, because there are zero roots, which is something they've established does happen with people who dye their hair in the show. I mean, Lilith is nothing if not thorough. You think she doesn't do a, uh, do a little touch-up every day? Yeah, there's got to be, like, hair-dyeing magic. Because she can, she can uh, use resources from all the covens. Because Amity, like, even though she has the, the range, she doesn't use it. Like, all she knows is abomination magic. It's her passion. Yeah, there's got to be, like, abomination hair-dye or something. I mean, <laughs> we've seen Darius. He's a different beast entirely. He didn't have abomination hair in school, like, as a kid. He just had regular hair. And he did that later. Mm. I wonder if Bellos taught him that, like, self-goopy magic, where you can goopify yourself. I mean, I don't think you teach... I don't think you teach the... I mean, we've seen Darius turn himself into an abomination. Is it that hard to believe he knows how to turn Justice hair into an abomination? Yes, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, being able to turn his whole body into an abomination, I wonder where he learned that from. 
I wonder, he said his mentor was the last Golden Guard. So, like, I could see the transfer of information going down. Because it is heavily implied that, like, Hunter knew what Bellos looked like underneath. Yeah, but Bellos doesn't like Hunter knowing what's going on with his ailment. He doesn't like anybody, but he seems to trust Hunter the most. Even though he knows Hunter will inevitably betray him. Which is really, really funny. Why do you keep making them? We keep getting off topic. But uh, the, that that duel between Willow and the girl from the Oracle track, that was cool. I don't know what the flash of light that drew Luz to the window was, because neither of them had attacked each other at that point, but hey, I'll take it. What are what are what are the nine tracks? It's um Illusions, Plants, Construction, Oracle, Abomination, Potions. Bard and Beastkeeping, and... Bard. Did you mention healing? Did not healing. So that's all nine. I al- Bardic magic is the one I always forget. How could you forget bardic magic? Because rain hasn't been as prominent uh, in the past as now. Yeah, that's true. Um, yes, I do enjoy, like, the nine, the nine witches. They keep coming up. I love the design of the one with, like, the big horn head. I think that's the healing coven. Yes, that is. The, the like, demon With nun. The scalpel. The demon. <laughs> it's so cool. It's such a cool design. I wonder what school she went to. They only named three. Uh, Hexide, Glandis, and St. Epiderm. Although Willow did... I feel like when Willow implied that there were more, those are the only three we ever see evidence of. Yeah, there might be other islands. Other, like, titans. Because they have the Boiling Isles, and there's, like, Bonesboro is, like, the main town on it, right? Like, the main center town, where Bellos is, like, it's by the skull. It's right in the middle of the chest, right? It's right where Bellos has the most influence, right? So this would be great for the Owl House wiki. But then they have, like, the arm, the leg, the ribs, all that, um... I think this was the first time Glandis was named, not just outside by Willow, but as the victims of a basilisk attack. This was the first time we saw Gus's dad, too, isn't it? True. Gus, Gus, what are... Oh, yeah, he just has Perry Porter as his dad. Perry, Perry, okay. And his... His palisman has a name, and it's... Emmeline Bailey Marcostimo. When does he say that? It's probably just from Twitter. I mean, I, I just think that Bump, though, is really so unreasonable towards Luz. Like, if you were gonna if you were gonna make an argument that one of your students should be exposed to classes from every track, it would be the student who was raised in a place where there is no magic, and so she has no background knowledge about what the magic is like or which one she might like the most. Like, come on, Bump. <laughs> I mean, he he opens up at the end of the episode. After he has no real choice, what's he gonna do? Expel the people who can run around talking about how he got his butt kicked by a basilisk, but some rule breakers were able to take care of business for him? Like, they didn't have to threaten him, but... They could have. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we learned that apparently he was kind of a dork in the past and did not carry himself with that much dignity. But now it's a bit different. I don't know. I think like 
his dork side is showing and the fact that he's like very easy to influence which is funny because yeah. they are influencing him for good i guess for the better but i don't know and then if you're so worried that she's gonna make you look bad in front of the inspector you can just send her home for the day or you know you can just have her dress up in one of the coven tracks and then change her appearance later it's it's not that hard mr bump yeah i don't know so, it's it's we needed a conflict yeah and he is he is pretty rigid at the start i guess it didn't help that the emperor's coven had sent him a basilisk to attack the school so maybe he was uh trying to get a little take back wasn't it wasn't it escaped well you would figure that the emperor's coven would have had a real inspector show up at about the same time instead we have someone shows up in uniform at the correct time and with nobody following after her what's bump supposed to think um she ate him clearly well in that case they should try harder yeah cuz probably the basilisk like ran into the inspector just out in the woods or whatever and was like oh you would figure they would have called back their inspector who went to Glandis and say, hey, well, I guess if it was her, she would have said, nope, didn't see any basilisks there. <laughs> I'll, I'll check Hexide. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe they did the word, they didn't realize that it was the inspector that was disguised. They didn't see it transform. I mean, if, uh, we, we've seen the caliber of the average Emperor's Coven scout, so we're probably not working with the sharpest knives in the drawer here. Yeah. Except for Steve. We all love Steve. Steve's pretty epic. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen more of him being an older brother to uh, Matholomew. But alas, we will never see that season three episode because we don't have time to put it in. Yeah, I can rest knowing that at least he gave Matholomew like a billion nuggies for the map. <laughs> we can talk about that when the episode comes up. In season two. Did you have further thoughts about uh, this episode? No, I just want to talk about future episodes. Well, we'll have to we'll have to do some Owl House next week if uh, David's schedule permitting. Yes, please. Anyway, guys, that's it for us on the first day. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13, and I'm Soren. Leave us a comment. Bye. Characters in the show really like to fly away and say bye. That happens a lot. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.